Hey, Adam, guess what time it is? It's time to crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 63 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam DePork, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Jeannie Walters. Jeannie, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Now, I hear we have a sponsor message. We do indeed. Customer journey mapping is more than a poster on the wall. 360 Connects offers a proprietary method to get to the actionable insights to improve your customer's experience today. Learn more and contact us to discuss your needs at 360connects.com. That's 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T.com. And if you'd like to reach our listeners by being a show sponsor, you can go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. So, buenos dias. <laughs> ah, buenos dias, senorita. <laughs> Your accent is much better than mine. <laughs> so, I thought we would tackle something today that I we get asked about this a lot, and I just saw a pretty recent example of what people refer to as frugal customer experience. And I got a pretty good example from actually going to uh, Medellin, Colombia, and learning about some techniques that an Argentinian soccer club called River Plate used when they were in somewhat of a crisis situation. Ah, Plato de Rio? <laughs> River Very Plate? Did nice. I get that right? Very nice. I have so no I idea. To... I'll go with it. <laughs> uh, I had an assistant uh, a little bit ago, and uh, she, she spoke Spanish, so we were working on my Spanish. And the first thing I asked her to teach me was this one phrase. What's and it's, that? me estás matando. Uh oh, what does that mean? It means you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Use just, it all the time. It's a great icebreaker. <laughs> just so you could say that to her. Is that why you did that? <laughs> uh, no, no comento. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so cool. So tell us about the soccer club. Well, I, I went to this uh, conference. I spoke at this conference down there, and it was all about marketing and the different tools and techniques people use. And this soccer club was one of the most historic and storied around. Um, and they have a timeline on their site, and it goes way, way back to, like, the 1930s. So they've been around for a really long time. And the challenge they were having was that they were in a little bit of a crisis because they had lost uh, some of their status, some of their cachet, some of their fans. And what they realized was that they had really never invested in marketing of any kind. They had never really figured out how to reach out to their fans. They had just kind of played the sport and hoped for the best and had some success just from doing that. So what they decided was they needed to figure out how to launch merchandise. They had never had jerseys that people could buy for the team or anything like that. So they really set out to do this in a way that didn't mean providing a ton of advertising or things like that. And, you know, keep in mind, I was watching this guy and he was speaking Spanish, so I'm doing my best. But this is what I picked up and this is what stuck with me. They did two things that I thought were very compelling. One was they decided to start from the inside out. So they knew that their locker room for the players wasn't really where what it should be for these professional players. So instead of investing in a whole rehab because they couldn't do that. They did very simple things to kind of raise morale. So they took pictures of these guys during their best plays, like from some of their games in the past and what they, or matches, I should say, sorry for all the soccer <laughs> fans out there. Uh, and what they did was they blew up their 
individual pictures and put them on the back of their lockers. So when they walked into the locker room, they saw themselves performing at their very best. And not only did they do this at home, but they would go ahead of the team to visiting locker rooms and print out pictures of them in that stadium if they could and actually put those on the visiting lockers too so that when they walked into this visiting space, they still felt like they were part of this. So they started to build morale inside the organization. But then they started figuring out, okay, who are our best fans? And they realized that they had fans, like there was one guy in Mexico who actually uh, was had been a fan forever but had never been to a game in Argentina. So they flew him and his friend to a game and they filmed the whole thing when they showed up and told him and brought him to the stadium and what, what a joy it was for him. They also put some of the players on a bus or several buses and gave them the new merchandise, the jerseys and the posters and all that stuff. And they sent them to some of their local fans and they did some great videos and you don't have to speak Spanish to really get the gist of these and they're on YouTube. They're really good. We'll put them in the show notes, but they are actually, um, there's one where a guy walks out of his house. He doesn't even have a shirt on cause he's, this is not what he's expecting to happen. And then he just hugs this player like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. <laughs> and so they started building all this really good momentum around it. And now in September, just now, uh, they are opening up their second merchandise store for the team. So that tells you some of the success of doing this this way. But what I really liked about it was how they took those two ideas of let's build from the inside out and let's reach out to our best fans in a way that is meaningful and powerful and personal and create customer experience around that instead of just focusing on how can we advertise that now we're selling merchandise. I thought it was really clever. That is a really cool idea. I like that they're, you know, the budget thing as a sort of the theme of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And in keeping with that, what I've done is I've made a large full-scale life-size poster of you with a microphone and headphones. Fantastic. That I'm sending to you and <laughs> to all of our listeners. So everybody be waiting for that. <laughs> it's going to be like a fat head. We're building morale yeah. from the inside. <laughs> but no, it's really cool. And, you know, we talked about uh, one of the themes we've had on the Customers at Stick blog is five-second wows. Mm -hmm. These little things you can do that, you know, they're not part of the core experience of so those little extras. And our buddy Stan Phelps, uh, who was uh, featured in episode 007, I can always remember his number because he had the James Bond episode. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, he, he had a whole book, uh, mm -hmm. uh, The Purple Goldfish, all about these little things and these extras that – uh, companies provide. And there's a lot of opportunity to find ways to increase customer experience, to connect with customers without spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it's very interesting what this um, soccer team, is it a team? Because you said game is match. Is, is right. team the right word? They, they refer to it as a club, soccer club. club. Okay. Yes. See? I'm glad I asked. <laughs> uh, the soccer club did. Mm -hmm. And I think there are lots of ways that this kind of intersects with the time that we're in because we're in a time when we talk a lot about crowdfunding and uh, reaching out and getting that feedback during the design phase and during the product development phases. And there are some really great examples of that too, where instead of making products that maybe customers don't react to, by including customers in the process, you're going to have a richer experience and a better product at the end. And Beta Brand Clothing, are you aware of these guys, Adam? It's clothing, no. 
Well, <laughs> I thought maybe you were because they basically are known for making dress pants that are actually yoga pants. <laughs> so <laughs> they, I'm, I'm their target market for sure. <laughs> they have a lot of men's clothes now, I'm just going to say. But they uh, people love their clothing because it's super comfortable. They do a lot around like travel and things like that. But one of the things they do on their site is actually invite people to kind of vote on what they'll make next, what collection they'll make next. And so they crowdfund it. So you, you vote with your dollars, but you also vote just by participating. And then they say, okay, this is the one that won. We're going to make this collection next. And so by including their customers in the process of design and, and piloting and implementation, then people feel more connected to the brand. They feel like, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. And there's a lot of crowdfunding with, uh, you know, things that are tech uh, produced things. So I just got my Karma Go, which is a Wi-Fi thing that you pay for. It's a hotspot, but you pay as you go instead of being tied to a contract. They did a great job informing everybody, keeping us uh, connected. That was through Kickstarter, that type of thing. So I think this all goes together with including your customers doesn't have to mean you have to create something first that's really big and heavy on the budget. If you include your customers, you actually have a better chance of producing something successfully, but also doing it in a more frugal manner. Right. It's, it's very inexpensive generally to get that type of crowdfunded feedback. What can be expensive is when you don't get conclusive feedback. Mm-hmm. And you have to sift through and sort through to find out if it's relevant, if it's worth committing to the product, and to sort of get that idea of is there a true market for it? You know, did, did this one product win, but only because it had 26% as opposed to 20%, mm-hmm. 21%, and mm-hmm. 18%. Right. And, you know, that's where it, and so it's, it's an interesting thing, but it's a great place to start because it is fairly low cost, especially if you have a customer base already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have a customer base that you can tap, Yep. And you can tap it sort of effectively and efficiently, then that's a, a great source of information. And I think the, ne- the next level is when you get past product and when you get past sort of these large scale things is empowering the frontline teams to be able to create these small wow moments or these mm-hmm. you know, frugal experiences, what we say. And I, you know, I wrote this post, the five second wow years ago, and we'll put it in the show notes. And it was all about this uh, chain called Johnny Rockets. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing. It was whatever. Kind of, you know, the food was fine. The atmosphere was fine. The, the kid was, he was a great server. But all he did was when he delivered the fries, he took this extra second to draw a smiley face with his ketchup. Mm-hmm. I think I might even have talked about this on a very early, early podcast. He, he drew a smiley face with the ketchup. And it was nothing but a little experience that cost nothing but 10 right. seconds. I was just going to say that goes to judgment. And part of judgment is hard to train. And so what I talk about a lot is customer experience mission and how important that is because it empowers people to make the right decision about how to make, create those moments based on the entire experience that they're trying to deliver. And you mentioned Johnny Rockets. Ed Bevix here in Chicago is known for the experience. They, it's a diner, but the waitresses and waiters are rude to you. That's part of the fun of it. And they've been around forever because people understand that's part of the experience. But they, they totally get what they're trying to deliver with the experience. It's, Wait, is that the rude? Is that the one where they, like, scream at you? They don't scream. No. Well, you're probably thinking of uh, Billy Goat. No, it's the one that was it was like on the Late Show or something. 
They, they, it's like a hot dog stand. They like cuss at you. Oh, and... that that might be Wiener Circle. Yeah, Wait, that's that, it. <laughs> you go after the bars, and they do. They yell at you. Um, <laughs> I'll take you there next time. It's really fun. Oh my gosh. Uh, but. Uh, the and then there's Billy Goat Tavern. We've got all these fun places where they will yell at you. <laughs> Don't do that um, down south. <laughs> but Ed Debevix, it's their shtick, and everybody knows that. And they make it a point to really be in character and all of those things. But they know exactly what they're delivering, and part of that is because they know exactly what the customer experience should be. And so they are able to make those split second decisions and judgment calls about in the moment. Let's be spontaneous and. How do we do this? Instead of following processes, they're following something bigger. And I think anybody can can learn from that. And that doesn't cost money either. You just have to know what you're doing. You have to know what kind of experience you're trying to deliver. Yeah, and I think one thing we should caution everybody about is cheap is not always as cheap as you think. Let's see, see if I can get my Spanish here. Uh, tiempo es dinero. <laughs> <laughs> Time is money. Mm-hmm. So just because it's not a capital outlay, if it's a significant drain on resources, it can be more expensive than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the soccer club, I think, did well based on the scale of the organization. That probably wasn't a lot of, you know, investment for uh, an organization of that size. Right. But you've got to know when you're doing these sort of initiatives saying, oh, well, this is an inexpensive way. It's, you know. We come from this blogging online content environment, and everybody always says, you know, content is not free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes an investment in resources, either, you know, your own, somebody else's, whoever it may be in the organization. So that's always important to remember. Right, right. Well, and I think it really does come down to, do you know what you're trying to deliver? Do you have the right people in place to do so? And are they empowered to do the right thing? And I think if, if you follow those rules, you can really deliver customer experience that's exceptional without an exceptional budget. Well, with that great soundbite <laughs> ending, we are going to say we hope you enjoyed episode 63 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all of our episodes at crackthecustomercode.com. And don't forget to subscribe and send us feedback. I'm Jeannie Walters. Sign up for customer experience webinars at cxwebinar.com and find my TEDx video at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tuporek. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and my book, Be Your Customer's Hero, at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.